0: It'll have, a, it'll have, like normal, it should have about a 30-second lag. It's showing that we are live right now. Uh, but like we do every episode, it usually takes about 30 seconds um, before some of the video platforms actually begin the stream, even though it shows that we are live right now. But um, anyways, so it looks like we are picking up on all our platforms. So anyways, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Talking Christianity Apologetics. My name is Josh Gibbs, and tonight we are going to give a bit of an introduction with uh, James Snap Jr., uh, where we are kind of picking up where we left off in our last interview, being that I actually did. I took off the month of December. I didn't do any podcasts. Um, And so with that, I mean, we've just got a ton of stuff that's lining up. I want to give you some of the information Um, on what to expect with upcoming podcasts and debates and different conversations that we're going to have, including this one with James Snap. So let me play our introduction video, and then we'll we'll get right into it.
1: Make sure today that you leave this place knowing that you are saved to the glory of God. Thanks. That one I'm going to choose. If you believe that, friend, you don't know the gospel. The point is that the wonder of the cross? Is that no one gets injustice? If you if you end up under the wrath of God, it is because you've rejected His provision for you, and you are justly punished for your sin. I think to what the Scriptures teach, I think the Bible does teach that God desires the salvation of all men, and He has provided uh, for uh, the, the salvation of all men and therefore anyone who who ends up under the wrath of God, it is because they have rejected his provision for them, and they are justly punished for their sins. The question that seeks to provide an answer to this question, for whose sins did Jesus die? The extent of the atonement asks the question, for whose sins did Jesus die? There are only two answers, two possible answers to that question. Either Jesus
0: died for the sins of some people, or Jesus died for the sins
1: of all people.
0: All right. So for whatever reason, this is different. It's not showing. It's not showing you on there, James. Um, when I I can see you on Skype, but. In my video platform, it's not actually translating your video stream into my platform. So that is something that is an issue on my end. The camera at a Skype guest. Hmm, let's okay, so I've got to turn on NDI in Skype's advanced calling system. So if you're viewing live right now, just bear with me. This is part of working out the bugs on this. Um yeah. Yep, that's why we're testing it. So <laughs> how do I do NDI? Do you know anything about that? I've got to turn NDI on in Skype.
1: I think that'd be an audio and video. Who's calling me? Is that you calling me?
0: Oh. <laughs> okay. Let's see here. Allow NDI. There. Okay, that should work. Let's see. Do we got James? Yes, we've got you. See, that's why we got to (laughs) work these things out. So Skype has you do a stinking update like every, uh, it seems like every month or so. And this is the first time that I've done an update that actually I had to do something like that. So I'm I'm glad we tested it out. But anyways, okay, so James, welcome once again to Talking Christianity. It's good to have you back, man.
1: Good to be back. Thanks. Happy
0: New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah. So we, uh, we're kind of lame. Uh, we've got two three-year-olds, and um, this year my wife had a bunch of stuff planned with streamers and party hats and stuff like that. But um, what we did was she actually streamed um, Australia's New Year, which they kind of – Sydney had an amazing um, New Year's um, kind of celebration fireworks show which was it was just nuts but it was fun to watch and we ended up going to bed about 9 9 30 10 o'clock so that's kind of how my night went on new year's but anyways yeah we are in 2020 we were talking about this before we started and you corrected me it's not a new decade yet so if you could explain that to our listeners why is it not a new decade yet
1: well, I, it's not my nitpicky point, but the nitpickers who have talked with me about it say that um, basically because there was never a year zero and it kind of just moves forward from there, um, it's not really a new decade until this year ends.
0: Okay, so after year one, it is the beginning In of principle, a new.
1: Principles the same way that you don't turn one when you're born. You turn one when you're after you've been born and are already around for a year. So the it's second good. after you turn one, You've already entered into your big into your second year, and you're then in your second year. Yeah, you just haven't finished it yet. See, that makes sense. I just can't wrap my head around it yet. Um,
0: I've got to think about it, and and it will. Maybe I'm just I'm not. Just
1: just wind that forward nine years, and you'll be where we are now.
0: Oh, there we go. Okay, that makes sense. That's easy enough. So, all right, now let's let's kind of get into um, kind of transitioning into the next point of our conversation, which is going to be what's new with you, what's going on with your website, what's going on with some of the things that you're you're doing with your blog, um, some of the things that you're doing with WeMe, and kind of give us the updates there.
1: Uh, well, one of the things that I've done over the past a month or so is um there's a a site. It's not very well known. It's not as well known as Face as Facebook certainly, but it's called MeWe. A uh, lot lots of folks that have been on Facebook uh, occasionally get thrown in Facebook jail because they express an opinion that Facebook doesn't like, and there is a a certain level of uh. Censorship at Facebook uh, and uh, fact-checking that might be considered a little biased by some. Uh, the the short, to make the short story is a, a, there's a site called MeWe that doesn't do any of that. Uh, uh, that's the claim. I have no way to verify whether what, what they do or not. But um, MeWe is like Facebook. They have groups. They have discussions, and uh, you can get on there, make it, make a an identity, and make a group, and on the uh, NT Textual Criticism Group on Miwi, uh, I have uh, and membership is free. Also, I have a basically transferred a lot of my blog uh, posts. I've made them into uh, downloadable files and put about 200 of them in the group files at the NT Textual Criticism Group on Miwi. So anybody that wants to go to Miwi can just join Miwi. It's free. And then you join the group, and that's also free. Um, and then uh, you have access to download to your heart's delight those 200 files. There's a little bit more than 200 there. And my, uh, if I recall, right, my book on Mark 169 20, and also my book, Defending John 753 yeah. through 811, are also there. Anybody can go to there and download them completely free. Help yourself. That is awesome, which um, if you can
0: do, download that for free, there, you can transfer transfer a PDF um, into a Kindle format and put that into Kindle if you want to do that. Or um, what I've done is I actually I've got both of those books um, on on Kindle, but I I bought them on Amazon, so I think they were like ninety nine cents or something. So
1: that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah feel free to buy them at uh, at uh, at Amazon. And if you want the Scholar's Edition, it's the same as the regular edition except it's thirty five dollars. But if you want because scholarly books sometimes they'll say you well you you get what you pay for yeah so for those that think that way I've I've made a thirty five dollar edition of the of the book so I see. there you go
0: cool hey I did not know that so I'll have to check that out um okay now um we are we're gonna have a conversation tomorrow night this is kind of work to the the point of tonight is to work out some bugs and to get the information out there to those of you who are interested in watching the live stream tomorrow. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about what we what we did talk about if you want, and um, where we're going to pick up where we left off if if you want to go in that direction. How do you want to how do you want to get the information out there to us?
1: I think uh, when last we left, we were kind of working through some some you know the the chestnuts you know because it's been Christmas time where there's chestnuts chestnuts roasting on the open on, on a roaring fire. So I think we were visiting some of the uh, the chestnut questions, the ones that always come up. In casual discussions yep. about manuscripts and the New Testament, and uh, Luke twenty-two uh, forty-three through forty-four is one of those ch- chestnuts. Yep, um, I don't know how we got to call them chestnuts or where the saying began, but there's a connection.
0: No, that makes sense. Um, and and yeah, it was it it was we had a, It it was a really good conversation. And we got into a couple of the variants, which are, you know, a couple of the variants that everyone wants to talk about. It's a, a really common conversation when it comes to the ending of Mark 16 uh, or the woman caught in adultery in, in John 7:53 through 8:11. 11. So we talked about those two, and we have so much more that we wanted to get into, which, like you're talking about Luke 22, 43 through 44, that's going to be, uh, if I remember right, that's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And a couple of the variants there. It, one of them I know is in verse forty-four, where it's it's uh, 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 talking about the the drops of blood falling to the ground. Um, but what's it's, yeah.
1: a, it, it, it's essentially one one variant. Maybe there's a few little itty bitty sub variants. But it's, the the big question though is, are those verses in there? or Are they not right, in there? Right. Right. And. Uh, all the way, you no, know, it includes the angel, but it also includes the drops of blood, okay. Jesus being in distress, angel coming to strengthen him. All that's within these two verses. Okay. And sometimes you'll hear an, 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 apolog, an apologist say something like, "The uh, you've got these two big variants here in John and Mark, and all the others don't amount to just one or two verses." Well, this is the the next in line. This yeah. is uh, two two big verses. Of course, you got the the uh, subscription of Romans as well. But uh, this one in the Gospels is is the next biggest one in terms of of size.
0: Well, and then not only that, but uh, the next one that we're going to get into is probably the most debated uh, variant in the whole Bible, um, being the Kama Yohaneum, 1 John 5, 7. And uh, that would be over the heavenly witness, um, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bearing record in heaven. Um, well, so I think you and I, are we going to get into that at all?
1: Uh, we, we can, yeah. Okay. And, and In fact, at the, at MeWe, uh, one of the files that can be downloaded there is a, a set of five different essays uh, that all pertain in one way or another to the yeah.
0: I've And I've read those. Um, and I've got to look at MeWe because I, you brought it up tonight, which that is the first time I've ever heard of it. Um, I was looking at the website a little bit before we went live, and... Um, it's, it's interesting, man. If it does everything that they say that it, it, that it does and that you're telling me that it's capable of doing, um, that might be the platform that a lot of people are looking for that are you know, really being policed on, on, on Facebook or YouTube, um, different, different places that are kind of bringing a political agenda into the platform and limiting free speech and those kinds of things that so many of us that are doing what we're doing tonight have concerns with that kind of thing, so that might be a good thing. Um, I'm going to look into that for sure. But um, I know now you and I are probably more than likely going to agree on Luke 22:43 and 44, but I I have a feeling uh, that we are going to disagree on 1 John 5:7. Um, so if you if you don't mind, I I would like to have it have a chance tomorrow when we get into it to just kind of give. Um, a little bit of my take on it, and then we can dial dialogue back and forth. I think that'll be kind of fun. But um, it, if we don't, if we don't, I, I don't want to spend all the time on First John five seven. I don't want to spend all the time on Luke twenty two. But um, just enough to make the conversation a little bit interesting and dialogue back and forth, and throw some ideas at each other. But what do you think about that?
1: Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to uh, wrap, wrap everything up with the bow in just one session.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Okay, that's true too. So. Um, which we've got other variants that we were looking at as well. Mark one two, uh, whether it says in Isaiah or in the prophets, and and so many people will say like you know hey it it if if you if you say that it's it's a reference to being in Isaiah that it, this is an actual error that's in the Bible and you can't trust the Bible and people use that as an excuse to say you know you cannot trust the Bible if it makes a doctrinal or even historical claim that is historically inaccurate. Um, that's easily fact-checked, so that'll be an interesting one if we get into that. But what was the third one that we were going to talk about? I can't remember off the top of my head, and I haven't looked at at the note yet.
1: Well, we're going to look into the uh, the doxology at the end of the Lord's Prayer.
0: Yep, yep. That'll be and, uh, Matthew also, six thirteen. Also,
1: yeah, yeah. And also, also uh, in, in Luke twenty three, when Jesus is on the cross and he says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Oh, uh, it does.
0: Yeah. Now, does he say that
1: well if you ask guys like James White they would be inclined to say no if uh, Bruce Metzger would obviously uh, go with the Alexandrian text but um, but if you look in some of the other resources that are out there um, and, and again just go to my blog and type in the reference you know, you'll find you'll find an essay yeah uh, and also at MeWe the essay is also downloadable there um, I think there's a strong case to be made to say that people didn't like the idea that Jesus said Father forgive them yeah. because they associated that with the idea that well wait a second Jerusalem was destroyed 40 years later the wrath of God falls how is that forgiving the Jews and so did, did the Father just say ah oh, no it's I'm, that's not that's not gonna happen yeah so you can see how in the early church um, some rather reckless scribes would say you know I'm not gonna say that. That that's impossible, but I think it's going to raise too many questions for people if we have that in the text. We're just going to keep that to uh, you know the mature, and we'll, we'll, let, we'll let the uh, the young and innocent folks out there have a text that doesn't have that problem in it. Yeah. Because I think some of the, if you look at some of the commentators, they did see it as a problem. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a uh, Lincoln, Bloomell, but uh, again, just go to the essays and has the the exact uh, references. But uh, lots of commentators have kind of given the Metzger some pushback and said, uh, actually, there's really good reasons why people would take it out. It's people would see that as, you know, c- can you imagine yeah. what guy, guys like Porphyry would, would would say when when they they see that in the text? They say, look at this, uh, Jesus, you know, said, "Father, forgive them," and 40 years later, here comes the wrath of Rome.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah.
1: So be, even, even if there, there were clever people in the church that could say, well, we can get around that. Uh, well, one easy way to get around it was to take it out. Yeah. Now, that is
0: interesting. That's going to be a fun conversation to have. Which, speaking of that,
1: uh, for those of you who do
0: not know, this is kind of a, an announcement, something to look forward to. Um, let me pull the date up because I want to make sure I've got this right. But uh, we are going to have a conversation, uh, James Snap, Jr., um, Peter Gurry, and Jeff Riddle. We're going to have kind of a roundtable discussion. And this is the kind of stuff that I, I want to be able to toss back and forth um, and, and kind of have some ideas with these guys who hold three different uh, views on the, the text um, and, and to kind of compare and contrast and just, and, and just to have those conversations that um, are with guys who have studied it so much. And, um, and have a lot to offer when it comes to a conversation that's very much needed. So that's gonna be fun. I really can't wait for that. That's gonna be on the 11th. Nope, not the 11th, the 29th. So January 29th at 9 p.m. And um, that's gonna be fun. We're gonna have some structure to it and we'll have uh, real brief introductions. The whole point of the, the, that particular podcast is gonna be to give these guys the opportunity um, to throw some of the tough questions towards each other and open up the conversation and dialogue as much as they see fit and uh, not be constrained by a time limit. Um, and, and we do have um, a time structure, but it's not set in stone like, hey, we've, we're sticking to this five minutes, we're sticking to this 10 minutes. And we'll explain that when we, when we actually go live. Um, but I really wanted to structure it in a way that is, is going to be the kind of conversation that's really profitable um, that that y- you guys can iron some things out and go back and forth as much as needed and then if you get to a point that you're like Hey, you know what? Uh, we're ready to move on. We'll move on and, uh, and and do it that way. I think it'll be fun. But anyways, James What do you think about that?
1: I Think it'll be helpful. Yes, I, th- I think it would be, be nice to have a just kind of a, a loose uh, and Somewhat casual discussion. Yeah, uh, one of the things I hope we can bring up there is Oh uh, the difficulty that we have, face when the Byzantine text has the shorter reading. Yeah. Usually it's the Alexandrian text when there's a competition between the two. Yeah, you're right. Usually the Alexandrian reading is, is, is shorter. But there are some places where not only is the Byzantine text shorter, but it also looks like it can be explained why it's shorter by by positing yeah. a scribal omission. Uh, yeah. A what's called a parableptic error. Right. When the scribe has so his, his line of sight is, is he's copying from his master copy, and he's reading, and his line of sight just drifts forward a little bit. Yeah. And what he's writing still makes good sense, but he's accidentally skipped some words. Yeah. And uh, sometimes, sometimes the Byzantine text looks like that has happened. But the reason why that's
0: important is because one of the principles in textual criticism is um, if, if, if you've got an option between shorter reading and a longer reading, typically you're supposed to adopt
1: the shorter reading. Um, well, well, uh, usually, uh, prefer the shorter reading was used as a rule. Uh, I think Nestle said this is a st- standard, practice and has been for a long time. And, uh, but when you look at the actual rule, the way it was first expressed by, by, by Greg um, there were lots of qualifications. Yeah. And I think what has happened is people oversimplified the, the guideline and turned it into an, a mechanical, uh, rule right. that didn't have all the qualifications it should have. Yeah. Uh, now, guys like the James Royce and several several other researchers, uh, in the past thirty years or so, have basically walked that back. Yeah. Um, now, the, by, by, by the shape of the compilation, you wouldn't think they had, because it looks, <laughs> for the most part, just like it did fifty years ago. Yeah, that's true. But um, but but uh, they have walked that back. Uh, if you would ask uh, most textual critics today, do you still believe? As a rule, that the shorter reading should be preferred, and basically, that 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 really isn't the rule. Now, that doesn't yeah. mean that there's a rule in favor of longer reading either. Right. Just that length doesn't really give you a clear rudder as to which way to steer.
0: Yeah. See, and now speaking of that, uh, in particular, with Luke 22:43 and 44, um, I was reading in the um, the critical exegetical commentary on that particular variant. And they were saying, you know, obviously Lachman says it shouldn't be in there, but Tischendorf says that it should be. So they take the position of Tischendorf over Lachman. So it's like, what? It, it doesn't make any sense. Like It seems like sometimes you're playing a game of authority here on who's, who's a better authority um, to adopt or when different, differing authorities would disagree um, when it comes to a textual critical um, opinion about whether it should or shouldn't be in there. So it seems like it can be very subjective. I, that's just kind of my take on it. But what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. Well, when it comes to Tischendorf, um, this, this Tischendorf, before he discovered Sinaiticus and did all the work on Sinaiticus and yeah. presented Sinaiticus, the greatest discovery of his life. <sighs> and now he done lots, lots of other solid work too. But when he found Sinaiticus, that was like a... Well, Game changer. What's... What I call it is is a, what's called Discovery Fever, where you find something and you think it's so important, yeah. and it just kind of consumes you. If you look at Tissendor's previous editions, because he made like eight of them, if you look yeah. at his previous editions, and then you look at the one that came out after Sinaticus, I haven't verified this going through page per page, page per page, but, but I think there's something like 3,000 differences wow. made by one manuscript discovery. That's interesting. All that happened to be made at the same time as that discovery. <laughs> That's
0: interesting. Maybe we'll be able to get into that a little bit. Um, so, um, which I've read a book. I don't know if you've read it or not, but it's called Secrets on Mount Sinai. Have you read that? I have, yes. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Well, this, it, it's been a while since I read it, but yeah. if I recall correctly, uh, they have talked about Richard Bentley and yeah. Not Sinai, but but I didn't really give it a, too much credence when it came to the the agenda. There were a few yeah. things that were mixed up in it. Yeah. The, the, I I'd have to go back and reread it to really be specific about my critiques. Yeah, side.
0: it's been a while since I've read it, but um, yeah, it does seem like there's a bit of a narrative in there that's uh, maybe not a hundred percent historical. Um, but anyways, all right. So now we're going to be looking. We're looking at three main um, textual variants tomorrow, and we'll see where we're at on time with that. But we do have some other topics that we would like to get into, which you kind of touched on here, which would be confessional bibliology. Uh, some people adopt that name. I don't adopt that name, and I actually did talk to Jeff Riddle about this. Um, he holds it... Um, he, he he likes to use uh, the confessional text term. Uh, Robert Love likes to call it... Uh, what does he call it? He calls it the canonical text. I would prefer to call it the canonical text, um, because that's one, that's the position that I hold, but I'm not reformed. So I don't like the idea of a confessional text. Um, I told Jeff, I said, well, you know, I think that it's a little bit too exclusive. It, it's, you know, you're, you're isolating some people out when you want to call it a confessional text versus, uh, but anyways, you've got the idea there, confessional bibliology. Um, and that's, uh, you know, what, what you were talking about with some of the minority readings in the TR. It's not Byzantine majority only. Uh, it's not an eclectic version of Alexandrian manuscripts only. Um, although there are some variants that the, the TR goes with an Alexandrian reading over a Byzantine reading. So um, that, that's definitely going to be an interesting conversation if we get to that. Uh, But more or less, I think I'm more interested in getting your take on that, um, which is going to lead us into the conversation of the inspiration and preservation of the Bible um, in terms like inerrancy and authority, and especially when we get into the conversation with Jeff Riddle and uh, Peter Gurry on the 29th, we've got a topic in here that James and I actually wanted to talk about before we had that set up, which was um, kind of a conversation on the CBGM, which is the coherence-based genealogical method, and it, which is interesting because we're going to have Peter Gary on um, who worked with, uh, uh, is it Gary Wasserman? What is, is that? Tommy,
1: Tommy, 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 Tommy Wasserman. I don't know why I'm
0: thinking Gary. Yeah, Tommy Wasserman. Um, they are so involved in in the CBGM itself, so it's like, gosh, man, this is, this is a conversation to you know really look forward to if if you're kind of in this world that's something i would think you're going to be looking forward to and we'll do our best to uh, live stream that and uh, start some different watch parties in different groups which um i did put this uh, this conversation we're having tonight in the nt um um is it yeah text in new testament critics critical i can't what's What's the group? I posted it in there. That's your group. <laughs> I can't think of the name of it. NT Textual Criticism. That's it. NT Textual Criticism. So we've got it in there, and we'll put it in a, in a few other groups as well if you're interested in that. But anyways, that's kind of a just some uh, a cap of what the conversation we're going to have tomorrow night is. Uh, but James, I, I do want to give you the last word and uh, just kind of close this thing out for us.
1: Well, uh, just briefly regarding the uh, CBGM, um, I do have a couple of posts on the blog, uh, thetextofthegospels.com, te- the that um, go into the all the changes that were in, implemented in Nestle Island 28, and there really aren't very many. And so, one of my questions about the CBGM is if it's this big new step forward, why are the results so similar to what we already had? Yeah. Out of how many thousands of contests? We get a different results in like less than forty.
0: Yeah, That's
1: yeah, and they list 1%.
0: the um the the list mm-hmm. of the changes is actually in it's in the in, is it in the introduction or is it in the appendix? I can't remember. Or I think it's in the introduction, but well, yeah,
1: it's like but, but, go ahead. It, it, it's small. It's it's yeah. it's teensy tiny, and I and I list them all on the blog. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's in those. Just to, to, if you Google much to do about nothing uh that that'll get you to the one of one of the blog entries no, there, what, would be, the
0: blog. what would be interesting about um the results or or where where, where Peter McGurry would go in that conversation is i i wonder if it's not so much um um the CBGM is going to have an impact on say the NA28 to the NA29 but the 29 to the 30 to the 30 to the 31 like I, some people are are saying in the conversation that you can expect to have more changes based off of the results of the CBGM, but it's going to be slow to adopt it into the NA29 well, and yeah. NA30 you
1: you, you, could, you could hardly have less i mean you'd you'd have to have more otherwise you'd you have no reason to make a right. new no edition so, yeah that's
0: but, um, that i I'm, yeah that's good i hope we get to have that question answered that that'll be good to to go from there so yeah. Anyways, um, well, how do you want to wrap uh, up this and and get people to um, tune in
1: tomorrow? Well, I'd say uh, maybe uh, with um, considering the the question of uh, the canonical text of the, the confessional bibli- bibliological approach, mm-hmm. one one question or one passage that might be a good place to to start kicking things around would be Colossians chapter one verse six. And there's This is phrase. Uh, and and growing, uh, bringing forth fruit and growing, and that and growing part um, really looks like it could easily be accidentally lost uh, by simple scribal error, by just accidentally skipping from point A to point B. That look like they have similar endings in, in the words that are being used, and so that might be a good place to start looking to say, well, if suppose this is original because it's so so broadly attested, it's not it's not got the majority on its side but it does have a wide array and uh with that wide array that's what i like to go back to the illustration of branches on the tree you might have lots more fruit on one branch but if they're all the same branch what how, how are you going to explain you no know, five or six branches that all have that fruit on them
0: yeah that's a good so, um, question colossians 1 6 that might
1: be a good place to that might be a good place to, to, to start because if these words were written by the apostles on what basis can we say that because Erasmus's manuscripts and the manuscripts that we used in the next 100 years after Erasmus d- didn't have it, or, or it wasn't recognized as, as, as having the level of authority that, that it's recognized as having in, in Nestle Island, um, mm. how can anybody say that we should keep it out? You know, even though it sure does look like there's a good, really good case that that's what, that's what Paul wrote, we're still going to push that out of the way because of our tradition, because... Because it's in the TR.
0: Yeah. In Colossians 1 6, it says
1: Excuse this. Let me back up. It's not in the TR. That, the, the, the words, you know, and growing are not in the TR. But it looks like that could be the result of a scribal error and that they belong in the text because that's what the apostles wrote. How can how can a person say, yeah, it should sure just look like the apostles wrote it, but it's not in the traditional text, it's not in all canonical text that we decreed back, back in a creed in the early 1600s, so we're going to just say, It doesn't belong there anyway. Now, does the church really have that authority to 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 just push the the apostles' text off of the throne and leave nothing?
0: Yeah. See. Okay. So, Colossians one six it says this, which is, "Come unto you, as it is in all the world, and brings forth fruit as it as it does also in you, since the day uh, you heard of it and knew the grace of God and truth." And and now, if you pick. Do what? Go
1: ahead. And in the if, TR I if no standard, you'll you'll find after bring forth fruit you find the words and growing.
0: Okay, and bring it forth fruit and growing. So in the TR it says um, I'm not gonna It doesn't read. say growing,
1: it says bring forth fruit.
0: Yeah, it says um, what is it? Cosmo Chi S um, I'm kind of fresh on the Greeks, but it says here uh, this, this is going to be the word. This is Um, oh. karpofer, minon, um which in the in the um, Strong's it says carpophoreto, um, which is well, a we, little we bit we different.
1: The, the root with the for for fruit. So, yeah, and then, then it just goes to the ordinary ending. And there. then it says kathis but, but, the, uh, but the missing word has the same ending.
0: Yeah. Kathos, just as, as that, according to, um, and then... There's really two words, but the main one, I mean. Kayan, mean. so, okay, so that's, yeah, it, it doesn't have it in there. and the TR, it doesn't have it in the King James, uh, but the, NA, the um, you said the NASB has it, uh, which is obviously going to be based off of the critical text. That's interesting. So, any, any, any,
1: almost any translation, I think, that's based off the critical text will have it. So that would
0: that would be um, one of those variants that um, would have additional words as opposed to the lesser reading, the lesser the less words in a particular reading. W- what do you think the reason is on that, or do you want to come back to it at some point?
1: Well, I think and growing is is original, and the uh, the T R is missing missing some words that it should have.
0: I'd be interested in in hearing why you would think that. Yeah, but I haven't looked into it at all, so this is just me kind of looking at it and mulling it over for a second. Let me see what the NAT has on here. i will to look at the NAT comments on that.
1: If it has anything, it'll probably just say uh, there's a broad array of support for including these words. Is that what it'll say? If it's, well, I don't have an NAT handy right here, but I, if it says anything, it would probably say that. Okay,
0: so... The critical and exegetical commentary by Meyer says, Paul now desires to make his readers sensible of the great and blessed fellowship in which, through the gospel, they are placed in order that they may, uh, by this very uh, consciousness, feel themselves aroused to faithfulness towards the gospel in presence of the heretical influences. And then he he gives a list of the heretical influences. Um, Hepiidae... Malista, Oi, um, ponloi, Ektu, Koinenos, Ekin, Palus, and then it, there's some other. He gives other influences by Christostom, uh, then Acumenius.
1: Well, it, it might be easier if you if you just uh, go into Nestleland and look in the apparatus. Yeah. Or also go into Trigell's, because you can download Trigell's online for free from Archive, and, uh, tr- and 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 see the the evidence that Trigell's gives. Oh, it pretty consistently points all in the same direction. Maybe well, not all, but yeah. But um, but there's there's a lot of broad evidence that would support the inclusion of these words. Yeah. And uh, when you just look at the endings, and you see, well, this is the kind of thing that we often see happens in the Alexandrian manuscripts, but this time it's happening in the Byzantine text.
0: Hmm. Let me see
1: where, here. Where, where words have been you know that in similarly that you can the, the, the for, let me, let me try to give you a different example in the ESV Matthew 1247 is missing yeah it's it's just not there and you can see the, the 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 how how the skip could happen I mean it's very 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 easy to see how they can skip how how copyists in the Alexandrian text or, or any copies really could could skip from here to there just by confusing i not realizing that he was skipping material going to the same or similar words from one from one here yeah. one occurrence here to the next occurrence here and here in Colossians 1 6 we have the same thing happening on a smaller scale the same same ending yeah. is is happening
0: yeah and the New English translation notes has two variants there one being um, the gospel esteem has been specified in the translation for clarity the antecedent, just as in the entire world, it is bearing fruit, is how they have it. Um, and then the second variant oh. is going to be what you're talking about, where it says, which it has it in there as well, so it has also been bearing fruit and growing. Um, and the notes that the NET has on that particular portion, it says, though the participles are uh, periphrastic with the present tense verb, esteem, the, the presence of the temporal indicator from the day, and the next clause indicates that this is a present tense that reaches into the past and should be translated as has been bearing fruit and growing. Now, so that seems a little bit, that seems like That's it's not, a bit of a con, conjecture to well, me. Well,
1: that, that doesn't really address the variant there. right? Um,
0: but that he gives the reasoning any, for it. Is there any kind of text there at all? I don't see, I, but I don't have, um, let me pull up the a different, let me see if I've got,
1: Mm-hmm. I'm using. I'm trying to find it in my digital NET, well, I've NET got the, but it takes a while.
0: I have the Society of Biblical Literature Greek New Testament 2010 on here, and it has. And see, this is kind of yeah,
1: yeah. There's, there's there's no note. There's no textual note on this one in the NET.
0: and mean Not the edition, that did, anyway. Yeah, it's not in the. Um, the the sblg new testament of 2010 either so that's kind of interesting
1: oh but there would have to be
0: here let me screen share here i'm gonna see if you can see it on my screen
1: okay i'll I'll try to hunt it down in mine too sorry folks this is slowing us down here but uh for a good call (laughs) to Colossians chapter 1. Share screen. Okay. Yep. On the, on the word to... Uh...
0: Whoa, you just disappeared. Well, you should be able to see my... Um, I've got it pulled up here. Can oh, you, see you see this? There you go. You're going to be more fluent in the Greek than I am, so that's why I'm, I'm going to say that this is going to be...
1: Oh, I oh, okay. You're right. SBL is d- does not have it. Yeah. But I but I but I realized that is because Holmes didn't cover the TR. He just covered the majority. Huh. So in the, so uh so in Pierpont, uh excuse me, R- Robinson and Pierpont, we've got it there in the majority, but it's not in the TR. But even though there's that factor involved, um. My understanding if the confessional text, as most people describe it, most people approach it as being a straightforward, we adopt the TR, and, and, and it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see what, what Riddle does with this uh, when yeah. we have that conversation.
0: Perfect. Um, okay. Well, that was fun. I appreciate you coming on. This is, I mean, this short little conversation we were supposed to have has turned into 40 minutes,
1: and that's fine. That's good. Um, it's stuff like that. Okay. That's so, 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 uh, between, uh, between Colossians 1, 6 and Luke nine twenty three, uh, that should, that should get the ball rolling.
0: <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So come back tomorrow night, same time, 9 PM central standard time. And, uh, we'll pick up where we left off. I do want to give you guys a heads up, um, on what to expect for January. And, uh, I look, the first two weeks of February, So tomorrow is going to be with James Snap. We're going to pick up where we left off and talk about everything that we've talked about already. We're going to talk about then on January 11th, Jonathan Williams from Word of God Speak Ministries is going to come on at 2 p.m. We're going to talk about uh, the doctrine of election. Uh, Then on the 29th, we're going to have a roundtable discussion with Peter Gurry, James Snap Jr., and uh, Dr. Jeff Riddle. That'll be at 9 p.m. as well. That's going to be a fun conversation. Then on the 31st, I am debating uh, a Catholic apologist, Louis Dizon, and we're going to be uh, debating the doctrine of justification. Um, And that should be really interesting. He he recently converted from Reformed theology to Catholicism. He grew up Catholic, um, was converted to Reformed theology. I, I want to say he was in high school when that happened, and then Con- reconverted he says cross the Tiber back to cross back over the Tiber um, and now he's he's a Catholic and has done a, a 180 on the doctrine of justification and in, in that particular sense he's wrote an artic- written articles about that uh, particular experience there's a couple articles that he's written about that particular experience but um, he was said to be the next James White for reformed theology when it came to uh, debates. So this should be kind of an interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to it. I've never debated a Catholic um, ever. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with Catholics online, and that's going to be a good conversation to have. But then on February 7th, uh, Chris Date uh, from Re- the Rethinking Hell podcast, and he's he's written a book called Rethinking Hell and another book. I can't think of what the name of that is. Um, but... We're going to kind of have a dialogue, not a debate, but an open discussion dialogue on the doctrine of hell, whether it's conditional immortality with uh, total annihilation um, or is it eternal conscious torment and an immortal soul. So that's going to be a fun conversation to have there as well. And then finally, this is the the last thing that we've got on the calendar. February 16th, Randy Krakowski um, from lineforjesus.org um, up in New York, we've we've done a, a debate previous, previously, uh, which was on the Kalam Cosmological argument. We're going to de- be debating the origin of morality um, on February 16th. So that's going to be a fun conversation to have as well. And that is kind of what to look forward to in the next month and a half, but uh, kind of a full schedule, a wide array of topics um but it's a lot to look forward to and it's it's been fun having a month off and kind of being able to prepare for those things so anyways um i don't mean to keep you through that james i appreciate you staying on and uh, coming on tonight to work out these technical difficulties so we don't have to do it tomorrow so all right all right we'll catch you tomorrow have a good night okay have a good night you too thanks again That'll work. Have a good night, everybody. I'm just going to cut it here and not do our ending scene. So we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.